This is Bill Newman, WHMP. Welcome to the show. Tomorrow evening, Wednesday, at the Amherst Cinema, there will be a quite remarkable event. There will be a showing of the film Behind the Shield, and then two of the people involved with the film will be having a talk back. One is Dave Zirin, who is the co-writer, co-producer, and narrator of the film. He's the sports editor of The Nation, a columnist for MSNBC, the author of some 11 books on the politics of sports, and, of course, a commentary and an advisor on numerous documentaries. The other person who will be at the Amherst Cinema tomorrow evening is Howard Bryant, of course, locally very famous uh, and nationally very famous as well. He is the author of some nine books and two-time Casey Award winner and a senior writer for ESPN, ESPN since 2007 and sports correspondent for NPR. Uh, Dave Zirin was going to be with us this morning, had a family matter that has him detained. So we are really pleased to have back with us in the studio Professor Emeritus, Department of Communication at UMass, Soot Jolly, who is, of course, uh, an expert on matters involving what this film is about. So, Soot, Behind the Shield, it is a story. The shield, we should point out, is the NFL shield, not a police badge shield, although there are similarities in yes. any number of ways. So let's start by asking you, I know you've seen the film a number of times, tell us what the film is about, and then we're going to get into its, well, its core messages as well. Please. Uh, the, the film is about what I think is the, the central cultural institution in the United States right now, which is the National Football League. It sounds a little strange to say that, but in a time when popular culture has fragmented, in which everyone is in their own little bubble, the one thing that seems to draw people together is football, and particularly the National Football League. And I think one example would be what happens on Super Bowl Sunday. It's a national event. It's the most watched television event of the year. Uh, there are, I think, what, 100 million people who watch this yeah. um, event? Uh, many of whom could care less about football, but many of whom are, of course, devoted to the sport and game and yeah. uh, football. And it's not just the – I mean, that, that, that's the, the Super Bowl is the kind of pinnacle of that. But uh, the top 25 telecasts in any year, uh, 24 of them are normally football. Uh, the, in the last year, the top 100 telecasts, 91 of them were NFL football. Okay. So this is not just the Super Bowl. This is – the National Football League and football has become – the one cementing thing that brings us all together. And the, we did the film. When something is that important, you have to understand it. And so, and so we decided to do a film looking at America through the prism of its most popular cultural form, which is the NFL. And that will tell us something not just about football, but it will also tell us something about ourselves as well. So have you been involved with this film other than as a viewer? Uh, yes, I was. I mean, we we came up with the idea of doing something on this because I'm the executive director of the Media Education Foundation. We make films to do with the media's impact on society, and we're always looking at what is the central kind of meaning-making institutions in the society. And at this moment, uh, you could make a very good argument that that is football. In fact, we we've never when we when we've uh, asked for blurbs for this film, you know, we have people reviewing it. We've never got reviews this good. And in fact, one person, Robin Kelly, who is um, uh, a professor of African-American studies at uh, UCLA, uh, he said he's now come to the conclusion that you cannot understand America without understanding NFL football, that it's that important. We have some clips with us, or you have some clips with you today. You want to give us a uh, preview, set up what we're going to hear first? Uh, this is the, the first one is just the intro to the film that kind of sets up. Uh, what it's going to be about. This is the uh, trailer? It's not the trailer. It's actually the, the, the intro to, to the film, the, itself. To the film okay. itself. And so the, the voice you'll be hearing is, um, the film is based on the work of Dave Zirin. So when we, when, we decide, when we thought we would like to do something on this, we had already worked with Dave Zirin on a couple of other films. And Dave Zirin is the preeminent uh, political sports journalist in the country. If you want to talk about sports and politics, Dave Zirin is it. And we'd moved, we'd played, we'd um, done a couple of other films with him, and then we approached them to say, you know, what about doing something like this? And of course, he was very enthusiastic. And so the film is based on his work. Uh, he wrote it, uh, co-wrote it, 
with Jeremy Earp, who is the exec, who is the director of the, of the film. So the voice you'll hear will be uh, Dave Siren. The fact is, the National Football League, more than any other major American sport, has explicitly built its brand on a whole complex of images and messages that have helped shape everything from dominant ideas about patriotism, militarism, and war, to gender norms and our conception of American manhood, to the politics of race and the history of racism and segregation in America, to the meaning and place of money and corporate power in U.S. society. And I'd argue that this side of the political equation matters every bit as much as the images of political resistance and anti-racism that's coming from rebel athletes, and that usually dominates the discussions of politics and sports. And that whether we're football fans or not, or even sports fans, we all have a stake in understanding just how powerful the NFL has become as a cultural and political force in this country. So, Sajai, help me understand this. The NFL is a business, to be sure. It has many viewers on television. Most people, I think, if you asked, say, well, what is it about? And they'd say sports. Um, and the NFL, as is, uh, I think, shown in this film, is actually way more important than what it says, does, and imparts to America about sports. Tell us what the NFL actually does. Well, the idea that somehow sports are divorced from politics is one of the way that the true meaning of sports is hidden. <laughs> the idea that it's just sports, just that it's nothing to do with anything else, that it's just an escape. And that's just simply not true. Like any other cultural institution, anything else that people engage with uh, in a deep way that they engage with for you know, hours every week, it has an impact on how you think about the world. It has an impact on how you understand the world. Does this go beyond the sport itself? It's a violent sport. I mean, I, yeah, I understand. They, the helmets are safer now than they were 10 years ago. Got it. But it's still an enormously violent sport. And the announcers go, look at that big hit. And look at him go flying. And look. And every game, there are the lists of people who are too injured to play and who can't play after the first quarter or two. So what is it about the sport, the business, that is uh, so central to, uh, to, its, it, to its message other than it's a game? Well, there's, there are messages um, and ideas about lots of other things that are communicated at the same time. I mean, part of it is about violence. And even if we just look at the question of violence, okay, who is getting hurt? <laughs> Whose bodies are on the line? Uh, who is watching that? And if you actually looked at the question of violence, I mean, it is that you get, you come very quickly to the question of race, because the the, the NFL now is seventy percent black. Its players are seventy percent black, and so the bodies that we see, the and bodies, the, own, and the owners are what one hundred percent white. One hundred one hundred percent white. The most of the coaches are are, are white. Uh, I mean, there's been some movement in, you know, in, qu in the quarterback position. I think there is one, one, uh, one owner or co-owner who is a person of color. But anyway, yeah. it's overwhelmingly a white yeah, institution. Yeah, it's overwhelmingly a, a, white, a white sport, except for, of course, the people on the field who are, who are, the, who are the, the gladiators. And the more violent the game has become, and it's become more violent and more spectacular, and that's what makes people watch it. It is the incredible athleticism of, these, of the people who play this game. And it has gotten more and more violent. And that spectacle is what draws people. The spectacle, though, is the spectacle of black bodies being destroyed. And mostly white viewers watching this. I mean, if you wanted, you know, if you wanted to think about Roman gladiators, this is about as close as you get to it, people's bodies being destroyed in the field. Um, the average length of a, uh, the, and Dave Zirin you know, talks about this, the average length of, uh, of an NFL career is uh, three years, which is incredible for a professional athlete that, that only you can, that's the average amount of time. And the injury rate in professional football for players is 100%. It is a game that's built around <laughs> putting these bodies on the line. And that, that's why, I mean, one of the most interesting things that's happened right now is 
the more that the issue of violence has become, or not violence, but the more the issue of injuries has become central, and especially of, of, uh, of brain injuries. Um, the more that's happened, the more middle-class white parents are not letting their kids play this game. And so increasingly you have you know, poor black kids for whom this is the only way out, putting their bodies on the line for the, the pleasure of a largely white audience to watch this. It's one of the most interesting things in the last, you know, in the last decade is, is, how, is how the bodies that we see are, are black bodies and they are, they are incredibly fragile. Uh, Dave Zirin again talks, he said, you know, Dave has, has, has spoken to lots of athletes and he says, you know, to be an, to be an NFL athlete is essentially to skip middle age because you have so many injuries, you have so many operations um, that once you retire, you go straight from that to old age, uh, to straight from that to being essentially you know, crippled in many, many aspects of your life. And that is what, I mean, the NFL doesn't want you to see that. I mean, like any brand, and it is a brand, you know, McDonald's does not want you to see how they're- How the hamburgers are made. Yeah, how the hamburgers are made, right? That the whole point is the brand is the image. And the NFL is the same. For the NFL, the image is everything, and you've got to hide all these. You've got to hide all these other unpleasant facts about how the product is actually made. Well, tell me this, because you are an expert on communications. You're an expert on media. You, as you noted, the executive director of the Media Education Foundation. Is this a reflection on how uh, the people of this country have been? Uh, uh, bamboozled by the NFL, or is the NFL giving the country what it wants? I mean, like all cultural products, it's a bit of both. Um, if something is popular, it means that it is latching on to something in the popular imagination. And so that's one question is like, why is this popular? And I think it's fairly easy to see. These are, these are the, I mean, really the best athletes in the world doing the most kind of, you know, most dangerous things you can do. And they are incredible athletes. And there's no doubt. I mean, I, I don't really consider myself a football fan uh, because I, almost, I know too much about what surrounds it. But there's no denying the, the athleticism. And I think that is what drives, that is what draws people in. But in addition to that, there is also what there are ideas about patriotism, that this is a deeply American sport that it's not just the sport, that it's actually much broader than that, uh, that it links you to, to America, links you in, in, to the nation in some kind of patriotic way. It's also about notions of masculinity and what real men are and what weak men are. So there are a whole set of other ideas that when people are watching this, I mean, people don't like being, don't like, don't like to think about this, <laughs> that when you're watching this, you think you're just, it's just escapism. You think it's just, oh, it's just entertainment. And it's never entertainment. I mean, one of the things that I teach, you know, I've been teaching now for 35 years, is to say when something is that popular, and when something, when you're spending hours and hours watching something, it has an influence on you in one way or another. And if you are a, if you're, you know, a, a smart person, you want to know what that influence is. You want to know exa exactly what is happening when you're watching this. And I guarantee you, if you are a football fan, you will not look at the NFL the same way again if you watch this film because you will have much more information about what you are watching. We're speaking with Sut Jolly about the film Behind the Shield, which will be shown at 7 o'clock tomorrow evening, Wednesday at the Amherst Cinema. Uh, Dave Zirin and Howard Bryant will both be speaking after the film along with Soot. It will be an amazing event and an informative and important one as well. We're going to continue our conversation with Professor Jolly right after this. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. Champagne tasting, sip and stroll, holiday pops. 
What's going on? A look around the valley with provisions. The Pioneer Valley Symphony's Holiday Pops Concert, December 17th at Greenfield High School. Provisions Grand Champagne Tasting at Provisions Mill District, North Amherst. Taste sparkling wines from around the world, plus caviar and soft cheeses. It's free, Saturday, December 10th, 1 to 5. Meet the Grinch in the Grinch's Grotto. The Springfield Museum bring you Grinchmas magic all month. The Brattleboro Camarada presents Ensalada, Renaissance music of Latin America, Sunday, December 11th at the Brattleboro Music Center. Sip and Shop Stroll in downtown Amherst, a maker's market, dining deals, free horse-drawn carriage rides, Thursday, December 15th, 5 to 9. This is Jim Neal with What's Going On, a monthly look around at food and beverage, arts and music, and anything cool. What's Going On is presented by Provisions. Wine, beer, cheese, liquor at the foot of Crafts Avenue in downtown Northampton and in the Mill District in North Amherst. The holidays, baking, wrapping, decorating, and of course, shopping for that special gift. Hi, it's Jessica, owner of Fitness Together in Amherst and Northampton. This holiday season, consider giving a private one-on-one -on -one personal training session with a Fitness Together gift card. Stop by our locations, Amherst or Northampton, to pick one up in person. Or give us a call and we'll drop one in the mail. Give a gift that keeps the ones you love fit and healthy. Happy holidays from all of us at Fitness Together. 586-1000. Good phone number, right? It's the number Whalen Insurance got when we opened in 1961. It's still our number more than 60 years later. If you need an insurance quote or have a claim, just call 586-1000. We answer the phone, ready to help. That's our pledge to you. Until now. Now when you call, we'll answer. And if it's something clerical or routine, like an address change, we're going to transfer you to the Arbella Insurance Call Center in Quincy. You'll be connected with a real person there, too. You won't be entering your policy number on the dial pad. The Arbella Call Center. I told myself Whalen Insurance would never do this, but insurance agent friends all over New England tell me it actually works really well. So we're going to try it. And if it doesn't work well, I'm sure you'll let us know by calling 586-1000. Whalen Insurance. Local people, local service, local insurance. In partnership with Arbella Insurance. If your Spanish-speaking employees spoke better English, would that be good for business? If your English-speaking employees spoke a little Spanish, would that be good for business? The International Language Institute delivers workplace language training, improving communication among coworkers and with customers. You get financial assistance with the Massachusetts Workplace Training Express Fund. They cover 50 to 100% of the cost. So let's get going. Call or email the International Language Institute in downtown Northampton. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. We continue our conversation with Sut Jolly, who is the executive director of the Media Education Foundation, professor emeritus at the Department of Communication at UMass Amherst. We were talking about the film that he was involved in. It will be shown tomorrow evening at Amherst Cinema at 7 o'clock behind the shield. Uh, Howard Bryant and Dave uh, Zirin will be there as well to speak with the audience. We were talking about the National Football League and its uh, cultural influence, uh, which is putting it mildly, with regard to systemic racism and corporate greed and uh, masculinity and violence. There's an aspect or an aspect of the NFL that this film touches on, which is militarism and war. Could you tell us about that, please? I mean, the NFL is essentially the propaganda arm of the military. <laughs> I mean, you cannot understand the NFL without understanding its literal partnership with, um, with, the, US, uh, mil with the U.S. military. I mean, the U.S. military has, I mean, there, there's two partnerships, cultural partnerships. One is with Hollywood, and there is no Hollywood film that deals with militarism that does not have the approval of the U.S. military on it. I mean, it, again, it's one of these things people don't know that when they're watching Transformers and when they're watching Marvel and they're watching these things, they're watching, literally, they're literally watching <laughs> military propaganda. So Hollywood is one. The other one is the NFL. The NFL is essentially, as I said, the propaganda arm of the military. Uh, I mean, if you think about how, how integrated military spectacles are into the NFL, uh, the, the flyovers, the soldiers, the, the salutes, um, it, is, it is inseparable from thinking about it 
uh, as a as a military spectacle. I mean, I, I think one of the clips we're going to play next is one of the people that recognized this very early on was the comedian George Carlin. Uh, talked about how how much like war football actually is. And this is from the film. Uh, we, we have this clip in the film, yes, yes. In football, the object is for the quarterback, otherwise known as the field general, to be on target with his aerial assault, riddling the defense by hitting his receivers with deadly accuracy, in spite of the blitz, even if he has to use the shotgun. With short bullet passes and long bombs, he marches his troops into enemy territory, balancing this aerial assault with a sustained ground attack which punches holes in the forward wall of the enemy's defensive line. Hitting begins with hand-to-hand combat at the line of scrimmage. Their war is a lonely war that is submerged and fought in the trenches. The idea of football as a battlefield and players as warriors is built into the very language of the sport. Like guided missiles, players carried heavy payloads, and they used their bodies to launch retaliatory strikes with devastating effect. Number 50, search and destroy. So, what does that tell us? Well, it tells us if you want to understand American football, you can't understand it without understanding the role that the U.S. military plays in, the Amer- in American society. And this is symbiotic because of intent, or it's just the way the culture and our national uh, psyche works? Uh, no, this is intent. Not, nothing ever works just by national, you know, by psyche or by <laughs> osmosis. Uh, especially when you're dealing with these multi-billion-dollar corporations and the building of a of a of a very very particular brand, so this is very very uh, intentional. Um, everything is planned down to the detail. I mean, if you think about, I mean, the Fox the Fox Network is the most explicit. You know, when it has uh, sometimes it, it 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 broadcasts from bases in other countries. You think about it, there's a military base in Afghanistan, or you know, there, there used to be, and that is where the NFL would be broadcasting from. And the people and the, um, the broadcasters would be sitting there in their, you know, in their military camouflage uniforms. Uh, I mean, if you wanted any, that was, that's the clearest indication that the NFL is essentially an employee of, um, of the U.S. military system. Is there another clip we have that we want to play before we go? Sure, yeah. there's, so let me, there's another clip. Um, again, a big part of the film. Well, let, let me back up for a second. Um, one of the things that, that the film is about is you know, this idea that it was you know, Colin Kaepernick and these black athletes, or you know, in the 1960s, people like Muhammad Ali, or who brought politics into sport. That sport was this pure thing, and then these people, this, mostly these black athletes, you know, they sullied the waters by bringing politics in. And that is just a fundamentally wrong way of looking at it. It has always been political. And the, po- and the politics of the NFL have always been right-wing. They've always been conservative. And there's a reason why uh, NFL owners largely donate to Republican, uh, Republican candidates. Uh, it is a deeply political institution that has hid its politics. Uh, and try to make out that it's only when people like Colin Kaepernick use this stage that that's when politics enters in. And one of the things we want people to do is when they look at the NFL is to, is to think it's not just, you know, it wasn't Kaepernick that brought politics into the NFL. It's always been political. But when he brought in the notion of black athletes standing up to white owners and standing up against racism and police brutality, uh, that was seen as an enormous affront to the National Football League. He lost his job. He lost his profession. Yeah. He lost his career. Now, that was the challenge. And what he challenged was not just the idea that uh, – he challenged the central idea of the National, of, of the National Football League, uh, this idea that it was about equality, that it was you know, about the goodness of America. And he forced people to look at police violence, to look at how black communities were being treated – and that broke the fantasy. You can't break the fantasy. And when you break the fantasy, uh, there is a price to be paid. And Colin Kaepernick has paid an incredible price uh, for, for his bravery. Should we hear this clip? From massive field-sized flags and flyovers 
to the NFL's salute to service campaigns and four-star generals doing the coin flip before the Super Bowl. NFL football games have become celebrations and spectacles of national pride and America's armed forces. So that on the biggest stage in sports, you have football, the flag, and the military routinely and seamlessly integrated, coming to embody the very ideal of American power and strength. I'd like to ask you this, and I confess during the, the uh, uh, break that I had watched the end of the game last night, the Monday Night Football, which I never watched, but I wanted to, well, prepare for this interview, and so I did, and saw three of the most spectacular minutes of sport that I've seen, which was a uh, two touchdowns in three minutes orchestrated by Tom Brady. Um, and made me believe, you know, what, notwithstanding all of these extraordinary indictments of the NFL that this film does, that the reason football ultimately succeeds is because it has a brand and a uh, visual that people want to see. And it's exciting. They have a product. And that seems to be to be uh, part and parcel of its success. You, it wouldn't be this successful if it didn't have a product that people really wanted. One of the things that Dave Zirin you know, talks about is the fact that he is a sports fan, right? <laughs> that that is, 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 this is not some critique. And a football coming. fan? No. Yeah, a football fan. He, loved, really? he, loves, he loves football. He loves, uh, you know, he was a... Uh, American football, not uh, what yeah, the no, rest he, of the he, world he, calls he's, football. He's, he's, that he, has he, its own <laughs> problems. He, he, grew up in, he grew up in New York. He was, at the, he was a, a Lawrence uh, Taylor fan. Yeah, I mean, it was... This was. This is not a. This is Lawrence Taylor, the great defensive. Yeah, but this uh, back is. The, but this. This giants. is about that. Sport is part of what it means to be human. Okay, this is the beauty of sport. I mean, uh, you mentioned right now, right? That, you know, we're in the middle of. I mean, there is, you know, the NFL in America. The rest of the world right now is paying attention to its own, its own sports spectacle, which is the World Cup, which is soccer, <laughs> uh, and the same thing is happening in soccer now. I mean, soccer is, you know. Pele, um, you know, called it the beautiful game, and it is. When, when I watch, and I've, and I've been a foot, I've been a soccer fan my entire life, and you know, it's like watching you know ballet dancers free forming when you when when football players <laughs> when soccer players are uh, you know when they when they when it's working properly. It's a beautiful. That's the beauty of sport. That's what draws us to sport. What draws us to sport are the ideals. At the end, for a moment. Actually, it means that the best person wins, which is not always <laughs> the case in life. It is also an escape from the reality of life. So there's no doubt that sport is incredibly powerful in a number of different ways. But it's always framed within, uh, it always has an institutional framework. And if you're a sports fan, and the movie is made for sports fans, the movie is made to, to not, not to say this is a terrible, you know, uh, this is a terrible thing to, to to enjoy. The movie is about if you're a sports fan, you you better understand what's going on. If you are a thinking person, I mean, if you're not a thinking person, then you can stop. <laughs> you don't need to. You know, skip this movie tomorrow. Yeah, skip night. this movie, and you can just stay in your own little fantasy and not. But <laughs> yeah, but if you're if you're a thinking person who wants to be in the world, and wants to be a active thinking person in the world, then you have to know why things are popular. What when you're engaging with something for this long, what is actually happening? You can then make up your own mind on it. You can then make up, you know, but before you can take a moral or ethical or political stand, you do have to know what's going on. You can't make that stand in, 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 in a situation of ignorance. And the film, we hope, is a way of, of, of ultimately, you know, it's the Media Education Foundation that made it. And so oh, I are, didn't know that. Oh, We are an educational institution. And what we want to do is we want to get people to really think about the worlds that they inhabit. Uh, we never tell people that this is a, you know, the, the, how they should think about it, but we do want them to understand the world. And I am, if you watch, if you watch this film, if you're an NFL fan, if you're a football fan, actually, I would say if you're not a football fan, it's even more important for you to watch this film. Because it will show you how, <laughs> what, you know, how sports functions. Uh, so it's a film both for the fan and for the non-fan, and it will get you to think about the world in a different way, which is always the ultimate aim of, of, 
of you know making a film, or is the ultimate aim of teaching? Is the ultimate aim of doing kind of any any form of communication? Uh, so I guarantee you, if people come to the the theater tomorrow. Again, if I can just plug it one more Please, time. Please, I, I was about to yeah. ask you to do that. Is, a, and is it one night? It's one night only. And as I said, Dave's, as you mentioned, Dave Zyron, he will be there tomorrow. If he, was, if he couldn't come today, but he will be there tomorrow, as will Howard Bryant, engaged in a conversation after the film. Um, the film is at 7 o'clock at the Amma Cinema. You can get tickets uh, online before then if you want to reserve your seats. So, Jolly, thank you so much. Always, always a fascinating conversation when you're with us. I really appreciate your time, and I really appreciate it. Can't wait to see this film. Great. Thanks very much for having me. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. For WHMP News, I'm Jess Tyler. Construction for fiber optic internet in Amherst is being installed by GoNet Speed. Approximately 3,200 residential customers and businesses will be equipped with GoNet Speed's fiber optic network at first, which is scheduled to begin this winter. GoNet Speed is funding $2.1 million to provide access to high speed fiber optic internet service. Residents can apply for service or provide contact information and get the latest updates in Amherst at GoNetSpeed.com. The man who was accused of shooting 15 rounds into a Greenfield Gardens apartment and then fleeing this past July had a court appearance Monday. 28-year-old Quadri Hutchins of Springfield is being held without bail until a dangerousness hearing that will take place this Thursday. As rents rise amid record inflation and a shortage of housing options in Western Mass, so are evictions. Managing attorney for community legal aid Jennifer Derringer says her law firm, offering free representation to poor and disadvantaged Massachusetts residents, is busier than ever. The housing market is getting tighter and tighter. Landlords are deciding not to be landlords anymore. They're putting their units on the market and selling them, so there is less housing rental stock. Rental prices are going up. It is incredibly difficult for folks to find affordable housing. There are still funds available through state rental arrearage programs, such as the Residential Assistance for Families in Transition program, known as RAFT. A couple of scattered light showers are possible this morning. Otherwise, it's more widespread showers and eventually a steady rain this afternoon with a high of 48 to 52. The rain continues tonight, an overnight low of 40 to 46. Showers, possibly a period of steady rain tomorrow. Warmer, a high of 50 to 54. Drying out, low 50s on Thursday. 22 News Storm Team Meteorologist Brian Lapis, 101.5 WHMP. This News Minute is brought to you by our partners at Holyoke Media. Yo soy Johan Rashivega con la síntesis informativa de Holyoke Media. El Comité Escolar de las Escuelas Públicas de Holyoke, junto con el alcalde de Holyoke y presidente del Comité Escolar, Joshua García, felicitaron a las escuelas públicas de Holyoke por seguir un buen gobierno durante todo el proceso de resonificación y por invitar y dar la bienvenida a las familias, el personal y los miembros de la comunidad de Holyoke para hacer preguntas y proporcionar comentarios esenciales que ayudaron a dar forma a las decisiones finales anunciadas el lunes. La resonificación, aunque es crucial para mejorar los programas educativos y los resultados de los estudiantes, trae consigo una amplia gama de cambios disruptivos que probablemente afectarán a la mayoría de las familias y miembros del personal de Holyoke, ha dicho el superintendente Soto múltiples ocasiones. A lo largo del proceso, él y otros líderes del distrito han reconocido que el cambio es difícil, incluso cuando los cambios son para mejorar. La vicepresidenta Mildred Lefebvre dijo durante la reunión del Comité Escolar del 21 de noviembre que el cambio cambio se navega mejor cuando una comunidad está unida. La resonificación ahora nos está dividiendo, dijo. Después de una revisión exhaustiva de 38 escenarios y un proceso de planificación de seis meses que incorporó aportes de la comunidad, las escuelas públicas de Holyoke están lanzando nuevos mapas de zonas para las escuelas primarias y secundarias. Las escuelas primarias prekinder a quinto son Donahue, Ian White, Kelly, Lawrence, McMahon y Morgan. Las escuelas intermedias de los grados sexto a octavo son Sullivan, Holyoke Stem y Metcalf Middle. Actualmente se está tratando de obtener fondos para construir una nueva escuela intermedia en la ubicación actual de Peck. Todas las familias recibirán una carta en enero, si no antes, con la ubicación escolar de sus hijos. Yo soy Johan Rashi Vega y esta fue la síntesis informativa de Holyoke Media a través de WHMP. This News Minute has been brought to you by our partners at Holyoke Media.
This is Bill Newman, WHMP. We are so pleased to have back with us in the studio Kirsten Nordstrom, who is a professor of physics at Mount Holyoke College, and even more importantly for our purposes, she is the director of the SciTech Cafe. So the SciTech Cafe, for those of our listeners who somehow have missed this over the years, uh, but actually took a bit of a hiatus during during COVID. Mm-hmm. So remind us, the SciTech Cafe is what? And then, well, the next the next edition of the SciTech Cafe is tomorrow? It's tomorrow at 6 p.m. And so SciTech Cafe is a series of public talks. Um, we do them about once a month uh, in the Valley area. Uh, so our talk tomorrow is going to be at 6 p.m. at Abandoned Building Brewery. So that's Wednesday, December 7th, uh, 6 p.m. Uh, so we're going to be in East Hampton. That could be our new permanent location. We don't know. Uh, but uh, certainly we're booked there through the um, the spring 2023 season. And this is our first talk at this location. Well, it's appropriate to be at the Abandoned Brewery building because, well, there are well, how to put this, adult beverages as well as yeah. food and all sorts <laughs> of other good things. It's it's a bit of a celebration. The It is, yeah, yeah. So we'll have we'll have some snacks for you. It's free admission. Just come uh, bring your own dinner if you want. Uh, there's beer to purchase. Um, our talk tomorrow is going to be relevant to the location. Uh, seemed to be a good a good talk to, to yes, bring in. Yes, seemed perfect. Did you arrange <laughs> it that way? or did I it? did, yeah. That was a little bit of uh, evil planning on my part. But we're bringing in uh, <laughs> Dr. Hans Menson, who is at UMass in the chemistry department. And he's going to be talking about brewing chemistry and how uh, flavor compounds kind of influence how we taste beer and what are some of the relevant flavor compounds. We're talking about how to make beer yeah, and how to make it taste good yeah, and yeah. why we like it or some people like yeah. it. Okay. Or why this beer tastes like banana when there's no banana in it oh, or why this yeah. beer uh-huh. has an orange juice flavor to it when there's no orange juice in it and all that stuff is chemistry. Yeah, it's, knowing it's just what chemistry. what to add when and where. Yeah, yeah, because it's um, – so the German – the old German beer law, which is still used uh, in a lot of American breweries today – is that beer has to have four ingredients. What are the four ingredients? You know, This is the definition of beer? Yeah. Okay. Wheat. Okay, so some kind of grain, so yeah. that can be a little loose. Okay, yeah, barley, some kind of grain. Yeah, some yeah. kind of grain. Uh, yeast. Uh-huh. Malt. I think malt is kind, kind of, of in the, the cereal category. category. Yeah. Okay. okay. Uh, let's see. Water. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a fourth one that's really important. Time? No. What is it? What it, what do you associate with New England IPA? Hops. Hops. Oh, yeah. Okay. Not all yeah. beer has hops, but yeah. okay. Not all. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, so that's that's considered an allowable ingredient according to the old German beer law, um, and so that's mostly added for flavor. And so a lot of what Hans is going to talk about tomorrow is hops is added for flavor. Uh huh. The the, yeah. the bitter flavor, the IPA flavor. So there's, there's a lot of different, different hops flavors. for different things. Yeah. Di- so different hops for different people. Citra hops is going to give <laughs> yeah. you a citrusy flavor. So you have different varieties of hops, and even within the same hop variety, you have different flavor compounds that might give you kind of different characteristics. So you might have like a piney flavor. Uh, you could have a citrusy flavor. You could have like more of a skunky, like dank flavor. Um, and there are reasons for that because hops are actually in the same uh, family as cannabis. So <laughs> some of those oh, flavor well, compounds keep are talking. actually the same. <laughs> um, now but, you're speaking Bill's language. But it, it depends on the All hop. of a sudden, I just woke up. Yeah. <laughs> Here we go. Depends on the hop variety, maybe when you add them, uh, a bunch of other details. Um, so Hans is going to get into a bit of that. Um, water quality is also very important. Um, a lot of the minerals in the water itself might influence how the actual final flavor profile goes down. Um, So you can have regional differences in your water, and that can create a different final flavor, even with the same exact recipe. East Hampton uh, has won several times, like best water in the whole country. So you're going to a brewery that's in East Hampton. Just shameless plug. (laughs) So let me ask this. Uh, if, If I understood correctly, you're saying that the hops and the different... Uh, I guess there are different variety of hops mm-hmm. influence the flavor, and the water influences the flavor. Mm-hmm. And I assume, but maybe I shouldn't, that the grain, the different kinds of grains, influence the flavor. Sure. Yeah. And okay, we've, we've <laughs> done every. How about the yeast? Uh, yeah. Or is th- just yeast? Well, yeast? there are different kinds of yeast. There are top fermenting yeast and bottom fermenting yeast. So the I think it's the um, ales are top fermenting yeasts, and the Lagers and whatnot are bottom fermenting yeast, so those will create different kind of overall flavors of beer. 
And I think even um, there's like wild strains and like um, cultivated strains, and you can play around with those a little bit. Um, so yeah, it's it's an incredibly simple beverage on some level, just four ingredients, but then all of the different chemical processes that can come into play, um, not just the fermentation, but some of the additional compounds you might add during the kind of cook down process. So yeah. this might be beyond the scientific mm -hmm. piece of this, just tell me if it is, but it strikes me that the competition to somehow have a monopoly on a kind of beer or a taste that you develop is really important. And the patents for all of this, that must be a ferocious kind of competition oh, that goes on. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I, I don't know all the details about the, the patents involved with this. Um, I, think, I think recipes yeah. cannot be patented. Yeah. Is that true? I know it in cookbooks you can't, yeah. you can't say this is my recipe from my cookbook alone. So I'm pretty sure I've never heard of yeah. a patent for it. You may have a secret oh, recipe a that secret, people yeah. can't recipe, figure like out. That's recipe. Yeah, that's more how they do it. But I don't uh -huh. think there's that. I've never heard of a patent for a beer. Yeah, but I might be yeah. wrong. Okay. Yeah, and I mean, and, and like like you say, it's hard to pull off the same beer twice. Uh, so all these quality control issues come up. Uh, so these big corporations, you have to like think about controlling your water and every little tiny detail to create the exact same beer. Um, and even, so I think Hans is going to get into this a little bit um, in tomorrow's talk. Some of the compounds that really produce the flavors and hops are called monoterpenes. Um, and oh, whoa, 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 whoa. This, is, this is why I did not take chemistry, because <laughs> words like this. And these are very, so uh, flavor has a lot more to do with... Monoterpenes? Um, yeah. Flavor has a lot more to do with aroma and your odor perceptors rather than your tongue and your taste perceptors. So taste is like... Salt, acid, these kinds of things. Uh -huh. uh, when you're talking about flavor, you're usually talking about aromas in your smell sensory organs. Um, so hops are really responsible for a lot of those aroma-producing compounds. And uh, monoterpenes, it turns out, um, I think a lot of them are very um, liable to leave uh, the solution very quickly. So it's especially important for IPAs, I think, to enjoy them very fresh. Uh, because the kind of flavor compounds tend to leave after a while if you just let it sit out. So yeah. you shouldn't let it sit <laughs> in your glass too long. You have to no. drink it quickly. Drink this it is fresh. an excuse to drink the beer quickly. Yeah. And don't try to age it for too long, yeah. most of the time. And I think, you know, if you if you buy the fancy, like, Vermont Heady Topper, you know, you see the drink straight from the can, drink fresh. And that's because it'll, it'll taste the best when you do that. So... Could we find out just a bit about the professor who is giving this talk tomorrow and why this is of such significant interest to him? Um, so that's what his, his research is about. I, I don't know. I don't this is know. what his research is <laughs> <Yeah>. about? <laughs> I made a whole career on going to drink wine once a week yeah. for my radio that's, show. That's true, Monte. It's really just a, a cover for yeah. what you really want to be doing, which is drinking. And next week we have the beer snobs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I think, you know, if, you, if you're a chemist or a food scientist, you can really uh, – put a lot of joy into your research because you can directly connect it to some things you might enjoy in your personal life. So, um, yeah, this is what his uh, expertise is in. So we're going to we're gonna hear about this uh, and maybe do some taste testing if you're of age um, in the crowd, of course. Uh, this is an all-ages event, so feel free to bring the kids. Uh, that's fine, uh, but obviously 21 if you want to partake. Right. I mean, I, the, part, the, the part of the SciTech Cafe that I'm always so moved by is the question and answer part mm -hmm. and where where the kids ask the most interesting questions that were for me it's the question i wanted to ask but was kind of embarrassed to do mm -hmm. it but there they were and everyone goes oh yeah i want to know that and mm -hmm. it's fascinating it's yeah. just fascinating the way the kids pick up on the most essential and i'm talking about what eight ten year olds sometimes yeah. 12 year olds yeah really quite quite astounding yeah, and this is this is free to the public. We will have some prizes for best questions. There will be prizes for just showing up, uh, a bit of a raffle prize going on there. So uh, please show up. If, if it's your first time, uh, we welcome first-timers, uh, and we can give you an overview of how the, the talk works. So the speaker will speak for 20, 25 minutes, and then we'll open the floor for just open questions, uh, and we really welcome those. And the speakers are those, they're generally, but not always, local professors? Yeah, so we try, uh, we try to do local professors. Uh, because of the five colleges, we actually have a very high number of working scientists in the area, um, but not, maybe not as many venues as might be in a big city for them to talk about their work. So this is creating a little bit of a space for that. Um, 
you know, every so often uh, we might find somebody's coming through the area and invite them to also speak, but these are all pretty much going to be within an hour's drive of here. So, um, yeah, if you know anybody who might want to give a talk, let me know. Again, let's go over tomorrow evening when and where. And is it, there's a formal title to the talk. These are profe yes. professors. They have titles to talks, <laughs> right? So tomorrow night, uh, 6 p.m., uh, doors will open. We'll settle in and, and start the talk a little bit later than that. Uh, but the title of the talk is Brewing Chemistry, Exploring How Simple Science Can Yield a World of Flavor. And our presenter is Dr. Hans Mensen from UMass Amherst Chemistry. And again, it starts at doors open at... 6 p.m., Wednesday, December 7th. And again, at where? At Abandoned Building Brewery. If you've not been to Abandoned Building Brewery, you have to go behind the building. Um, there are signs to point you there and ample parking, but just, just give yourself a few extra minutes to find it if you've never been there. And this is in East Hampton? In East Hampton. Mm -hmm. Okay. Monty, you, you know, direct line to how to get to, to, to the brewery? I was there last week. <laughs> <laughs> I knew this would be a fruitful question. I just knew it. <laughs> All right. Kristen Nordstrom. Director of the SciTech Cafe, Professor of Physics, Mount Holyoke College. Thank you so very much, and thanks for doing the SciTech Cafe. It's such a great part and a part of the fabric of this valley. Okay, thank you. And I'm wearing a suit and a tie. She's sipping vermouth, and she thinks I'm uncouth. When I yell as the waiter goes This is by. Bill Newman, WHMP. I like beer. It makes me a jolly when it's happening here in the Valley, we're talking about it. Voting as well as early voting is the way to go. It shows that we trust the voters. They know why they need an early ballot. They know why they need an absentee ballot. It's not up to government to decide if it's a legitimate reason or not. The voters should get to choose. So this, I think, is a huge advance. 101.5, 1400, and 1240. We are the Valley. We are WHMP. Cooper's Corner Store in Florence can be a real time saver for you around the holidays. When you run out, run in. They have what you need. Cooper's is also the place to order fresh, baked, from scratch pies or to pick up a nice wine or fresh produce or deli platters. Cooper's Corner, a part of the community for nearly 50 years. They're the Coopers. They're your neighbors. They treat you right. Main and Chestnut Streets, Route 9, Florence, open every day of the year. And in Northampton, State Street Fruit Store Deli Wines and Spirits has what you need for the holidays and all year long. Cooper's Corner Markets open in Florence on Christmas Day until 1 p.m. State Street Fruit Stores also open until 1. They're sister stores. Would you expect less from sisters? Make the holidays easier and pre-order your pies and platters. And if you wake up Christmas morning missing something, not to worry. It's all at Cooper's and State Street. Open seven days and on Christmas till 1. Want to support the kind of local talk you hear on The Bill Newman Show? Want to hear your business's message here on WHMP? Email us, yourmessage at whmp.com. We'll help you craft a marketing message that'll reach listeners of your favorite WHMP show. And we'll be supporting the local news, valley talk, and progressive voices you hear right here on WHMP. Let us know about your message. Email us, yourmessage at whmp.com. And add your message to our mission. And hear your message right here on WHMP. Your message at whmp.com. 586-1000. Good phone number, right? It's the number Whalen Insurance got when we opened in 1961. It's still our number more than 60 years later. If you need an insurance quote or have a claim, just call 586-1000. We answer the phone, ready to help. That's our pledge to you, until now. Now when you call, we'll answer, and if it's something clerical or routine, like an address change, we're going to transfer you to the Arbella Insurance Call Center in Quincy. You'll be connected with a real person there, too. You won't be entering your policy number on the dial pad. The Arbella Call Center. I told myself Whalen Insurance would never do this, but insurance agent friends all over New England tell me it actually works really well. So we're going to try it. And if it doesn't work well, I'm sure you'll let us know by calling 586-1000. Whalen Insurance. Local people. Local service, local insurance, in partnership with Arbella Insurance. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. This morning at about 7 o'clock, I got up and started listening to the river. 
And on the river this morning was an announcement, uh, a sharing of information from one Monty Belmontes. Monty, would you be kind enough to share that with our listeners here across the hall on WHMP? I'm having another baby. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm not. Well done. Well done. And we'll tell you about the first few <laughs> later. <laughs> I'm, I am retiring from morning radio. For 17 years, I've been hosting the morning show on WRSI, The River. And for many of those years, then crossing the hall and pushing buttons for you, Dr. Newman. Uh, but as of Friday, I will only be river disc jockey and HMP host emeritus. Not leaving the fold completely, but certainly uh, scaling back my duties here in the building and off to other adventures in early 2023. I think that one aspect of your job that people have not appreciated as much as uh, we in the building do is that you get here at three o'clock in the morning, a little after. I mean, you're getting up around two o'clock every day to come do your show, prepare your show, which is on for, well, three, four hours. uh, And plus the hour here, and then you start at 10 o'clock, a full day of work. Right. So it's really an extraordinary effort, and the contribution, of course, that you've made to the Valley uh, is just, you know, really, there's just not not enough words. And, of course, your listeners calling in this morning to, well, cry, um, but also to express their appreciation for all you've done. And you did say, I think this is important, that aspects of... Uh, your contributions to the community uh, through this, these stations will continue. Yes, the plan is that the March for the Food Bank would happen again, same time as it did this uh, last year. You know, in the week of Thanksgiving 2023, I'd still be involved and pushing those shopping carts, those 43 miles, and, uh, and more adventures uh, in addition to all that as well. And you expect your emeritus status to have you on the air? Yes. And we will, well, you... You will you can can I can I get an interview with you now and then? Sure. <laughs> you, anytime. Anytime. No, <laughs> except not for any, except for know, three in the morning. Yeah, at nine, nine o'clock, past nine o'clock. <laughs> okay, so that will that will be the new rules. Past nine o'clock, we can get Monty. That sounds good. Okay, Monty, I got to tell you, man, I love you. I wish you all the best. I hope it's absolutely terrific. All your new adventures, whatever they may be, and we will miss you. I love you, Doctor Newman, but you still stuck with me until. Yeah, I got yeah, 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 a few more days to go. Oh well, we'll get through <laughs> it. I was tuning in the shine and the light night style doing anything my radio advised. With every one of those late night stations playing songs, bringing tears to my eyes. I was seriously thinking about hiding the receiver when the switch broke because it's old. Play this game, you've got to be as sharp as a blade, as quick as a one-timer, as tough as plexiglass. Oh, and having a solid dental plan, that's probably a good idea, too. Hit the ice all season long right here on the UMass Sports Network. 1415-1400-1240 WHMP. Pets and people, they belong together. They help us feel calm and loved with every tail wag, kiss, and snuggle. Dakin Humane Society believes in this bond, and your support keeps people and pets together. You provide resources so animals with medical issues can get the care they need to find homes. Our pet food aid program lets people facing tough times feed and keep their pets because you care. Dakin's many programs and services help companion animals and the people who love them. To make a gift, visit DakinHumane.org. Live and local news and talk for Northampton and the Valley since 1950. WHMP Northampton. WHMQ Greenfield. Northampton Radio Group Station.